0: Thank you for joining us today as Pastor Tim shares the Word of God. Our prayer is that your life will be touched by the Spirit of Almighty God and constant, powerful truths that can be applied to your everyday life. Let's join Pastor Tim with today's message. In John 15, 11, he says, These things have I spoken to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Now, this is coming from a guy who's not laying on the beach, having iced tea. You understand what he was facing, and he's talking about that my joy might remain in you. That there is a, a key to the possession of joy in your life, and this generation has got to get it. It's, it's really unbelievable, but the more you have, the less joy people walk in. And the more spoiled people are, the more they're lavished on, the less happy they seem to be. Uh, You take a kid with a room full of toys, and he's spoiled rotten. And you take a kid that's got a can, and he's kicking it down the side of the street, and he's happy as he can be. I mean, the more we have, the, the further from joy we seem to get. The key to the possession of joy is in Psalm 16, verse 11. It says, In thy presence is fullness of joy. It's not in a new car. It's not in a new motorcycle. It's not in a pocket full of money. It's in God's presence there is fullness of joy. And until you experience the daily presence of the Lord in your life, you will never have the joy that you're trying to get by sucking something up your nose. It ain't going to happen because joy doesn't come by that. Joy only comes from a satisfied life being in his presence. And then when you are satisfied with him, you can enjoy your car. You can enjoy your truck. You can enjoy your vacation. You can enjoy the things that we have. But when you're looking for things to do what things can't do, there is no joy in that. Few Christians walk in joy. It's like we worry in prayer, but very few Christians walk in joy. They don't live a joy-filled life. They're jerked up about the next election. They're jerked up about the next economic turn. They're jerked up about the next thing that's going to happen. Instead of, God, I'm in your presence and I'm walking in full of joy, come what may. But Christians live more jerked up often than even people in the world do. Most, I read one time, most live under a cloud of disappointment when they could be walking in the sunshine of joy. What's robbing your joy? What is keeping you from living a joy-filled life? How come you're not happy? How, I mean, you laugh a little bit, and there are some things that kind of get you tickled, but you don't live a joy-filled life. The answer to those questions is going to be found in a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, written some 2,000 years ago by a man named Paul, And, and here's what we're going to continue to refer to. He was a prisoner in Rome, and this letter was sent to his fellow Christians at the church of Philippi. And, and in Philippians, Paul shares the secret of living in Christian joy. Living a life in joy. Four chapters, that's all it is. Four chapters, Paul uses the word joy 19 times. We're going to study about joy. We're going to dive into a study about how to live happy. How to live a life full of joy. The unusual thing about this letter, and we're going to keep talking about this, is that Paul does not write this letter from Palm Beach. Anybody can be happy whenever they had what he had. Anybody can be happy they had his money. I'd be happy too if I had his car. Well, I'd be happy too if I had his house. I'd be... Paul writes about joy... He was in a Roman prison, and he wasn't watching color TV, by the way. In a Roman prison, they chained you to the wall in a dungeon, in a dungeon with barely enough to eat to keep you alive. And chained against a wall around the neck and uh, and around the legs, and chained in this prison for hours at a time. Here's what he was facing. You only had one or two options. You're going to be beheaded or worse, you will be upside down on a cross and set on fire. And we're going to watch you burn to death. Now, one of those was what was going to happen to him. And he writes a letter about living in joy. I think he's got this figured out, don't you? He's got this figured out. Living in joy In the condition he was in, oh, I can't be happy. I'm over here. and Tell me, you wouldn't be happy either if you had. You're not in a Roman prison facing beheaded or burned alive upside down until you died. That's your two choices. This guy, it's not a new truck. It's not a new girlfriend. It's not a new house. It's not a raise. He's understood how to live in joy. And here he is in the situation that he's in, living in overwhelming joy. You and I have got to learn how to live happy. We're going to have to figure this out. And I don't know of a better place to study than the four chapters of Philippians because Paul understands a secret to living in joy. In spite of the danger, in spite of personal discomfort, In spite of facing cruel death, Paul isn't walking in joy. He's walking in overflowing joy. What is his secret? Paul uses reference to our mind and our thoughts in four chapters 16 times. So the secret of living in Christian joy is found in the way the believer thinks. And there's where we have our problem. It's all in the way we, it's not our situation, it's the way we are thinking about our situation. Because Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinketh, so is he. As a man thinketh, so is he. Philippians is a Christian psychology book based solidly on biblical doctrine. And it's, it's, it's not a, a real shallow self-help book that tells the reader how to convince himself that his situation is good when it really isn't. He's teaching us how to live a life of joy. How to live a life of joy. I hope you bring your notebooks to this study. We're going to really do some Bible study in these coming weeks. As we look at Philippians, word for word, verse by verse, and we're going to learn some things that we clearly have been missing. Philippians is a book that explains the mind that the believer must have if you're going to experience the joy that Jesus came to bring us. The best way to get the total picture Of this book is for us to first look at some thieves that rob our joy. What are some thieves that rob your joy? What's robbing? I'm just not very happy. Well, why? What is robbing you from joy? Why are you not living every day full of joy? There are some thieves that rob us. And I want to open this by looking at four thieves that rob our joy in this introduction to our study that we're going to be in in Philippians. The first thief that robs people's joy is circumstances. Your circumstances. Most people will tell you when things are going their way, when things are going to suit them, they're a lot happier than they are when things are not going to suit them. Wouldn't you agree? When things are going to suit you, you're happier than when things are not going to suit you. Have you ever noticed that more days things don't suit you than there are days that do suit you? And so if that is the measure of your joy, you are in trouble. Dad has a good day at work, he's a better husband. He's more fun to be with for his kids. He is better to the dog. When the dad has had a bad day at work, he's a horrible husband. He's a jerk of a dad and he kicks the dog when he comes in. Why does everybody around you pay the price of whether you've had a good day or a bad day at what point are you going to mature to the place where your circumstances don't control your mood? Let's just hope to goodness dad has a good day. When he comes in, he'll be up or are he going to be down. When can you come to the place that your circumstances don't control your moods? When can you come to the maturity that your relationship with the Lord controls your moods and you're happy when circumstances go your way and you're happy when circumstances don't go your way because you are no longer looking for your circumstances to make you happy? The reason our circumstances steal our joy is because you're looking for circumstances to make you happy. I don't get up looking for my circumstances to make me happy. I find my happiness in my relationship with the Lord. Are you understanding this? And so when you don't look for your circumstances to make you happy, then your circumstances can't make you unhappy. You find your happiness in your relationship with the Lord. The person whose happiness depends on ideal circumstances is going to be very miserable most of the time. Have you ever noticed how very few of your circumstances are really under your control? The weather, the traffic, I mean, you you know, canceled appointments, phone calls, back-ordered parts, things that you need that don't come in. Have you ever noticed that circumstances in life most often are beyond your control, yet you look to them to bring you a level of joy in the day? And church, we're going to have to come to the mature place in the Lord where we find our joy in knowing Him, find our joy in the fact that your sins are not counted against you, find joy in the fact that you have been forgiven of all the mess that you have made, find joy in the fact that the Lord loves you, and whether this works out or whether it doesn't, whether I get stuck in traffic or whether I don't, is not a not a deciding factor on my level of joy. It's amazing, and, and, and Terry and I watch this all the time. I guess it's just something that we like doing. We like watching people be mad. <laughs> but what, what tickles us is people on expensive vacations. I mean, on a cruise. I'm talking about on the beach. I'm talking about at a very expensive restaurant. I'm talking about they are doing something that costs money and they're mad. That just amuses me. It it tickles me that folks are going to pay the money to go on a cruise and be mad. The waitress, the server, the food, all the seasick, the waves. You went on a cruise, you bonehead. And you're going to complain about the waves? Oh, that boat just rock and rock. What about cruise on the ocean did you miss? And you come back mad Because of the waves. You paid money to get seasick. I don't know. But you, just watch. Watch people that are on vacation. Now this is their one week off of work. They've spent money. They've come to Hot Springs. And their family's here and everybody's mad and won't speak to each other. It's just amazing to me. It's amazing how we're going to let our circumstances. A waiter or a waitress or the food. I've spent thousands of dollars on this vacation, and the traffic's going to ruin it for me. i spent money on this vacation. I'm going to laugh all the way there and all the way back and have a great time. In traffic, out of traffic, good food, bad food. If I wanted good food, I'd stay home. My wife's the best cook that I know. If I wanted good food, I'd stay home. I went out to eat because I wanted something not as good as she could cook. I mean, we go out to eat to have fun and to enjoy being together and to enjoy the outing. All right, food, My, my meat looks better at home. Well, you should have stayed at home. But look at people and watch them let their circumstances destroy their joy. You'll never find perfect circumstances, and you keep looking for circumstances to make you happy. Second thing that steals your joy is people. It's the biggest one for me. That's why I like to get up early. I get up way early before anybody wakes up, it's the best hour of my day. Then people start waking up, my day goes downhill right there. I mean, I, I would be the happiest person in the world, but people, stupid people. It's not just people, it's stupid people. It's boneheads. Are you kidding me? I mean, I, and it, it seems like they pick on me. Stay away from me if you're dumb. But I'm just attracted to boneheads and losers and stupid people. And, and it's just like, come up and give me a sandpaper and just rub on my skin. I lost my joy when people started waking up. What they say to me, what they do, how they act, how they treat me. they won't. They're not fast enough. They won't get it done quick enough. They don't work hard enough. They're not conscientious enough. They won't pay attention enough. I mean, I can just give you a whole list of why I don't like people. Yeah, the truth is, you are probably the only person in the world that's never made anybody else mad. My wife's married to one like that. <laughs> you know, the problem is, we've got to live and work with imperfect people. We've got to live and work with imperfect people. You're married to an imperfect person. The person that you're married to married somebody that's imperfect. That's you. (laughs) But we're surrounded with imperfect. And why do we demand perfection out of everybody but us? I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but she has to overlook a whole lot in you. Then why can't you overlook a whole lot in her? Come Come on. See, we can't let people steal our joy. We cannot let people and their imperfections, and or you can't believe what she said to me. They're not perfect. They're not perfect. You're not perfect. Don't let what they said to you steal your joy. I'm going to be happy, irregardless of what somebody said to me. You can't isolate yourself. You have to be salt and light. But have you ever noticed your light grows dim and your salt loses saltiness when you get around people? you got to learn to live in joy in spite of dumb people. world's full of them. Live in joy. Live in joy and just enjoy the people that you're around and all of their imperfections and all of their inadequacies. And we'll get this job done together. Third thing steals your joy is things things it's a huge joy stealer have you ever noticed how your coffee maker or your blender or your microwave just steals your joy why don't you go outside and dig a hole and build a fire and take 3 hours to bake a potato but that microwave just steals your joy seriously I mean, look at the, you just get so irate, you just slam it down on the floor. Look at the sun and tell time if you're so tired of that clock. You don't let things steal your joy. Oh, this car, I tell you, this thing's just so aggravating. Well, walk. Why you won't let the car steal your joy? Why do you want to let a rattle in the car steal your joy? Try a covered wagon. See about rattles. You know, why do you want to let a rattle in a car? Why do you? See, we let things steal our joy. You get all upset about the stain in your carpet. Live on a dirt floor for a while. Really? Really? You jerked up about this stuff. Don't let things, so ought to be a blessing. We ought to be enjoying the stuff we have. But the problem is, we don't have stuff, stuff has us. And it controls you. Luke 12, 15, a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesses. And here's the deal. The more things you get, the more jerked up you are about those things because you got more things to be jerked up about you buy it and then you're worried sick about somebody stealing it go sell it then you won't ever have to worry about somebody stealing it why do you want to buy it and then live in a knot about it getting stolen? see you can't let things steal your joy you, you just got to get past the things that you have stealing your joy i never forget years ago i was riding with a friend he boy he loved his vehicles now and we pulled into Walmart, and he parked all the way down by the street. I said, what the heck? You want me to get a, I'm going to call and get us a cab to get us on up there. <laughs> what are we doing down here? He goes, I'm not parking down here. I mean, people, they slow the, throw their door in there and get dings on the side. I said, look here. I bought my truck to get me as close to where I'm going as it can, not as far away. And if you're worried about a ding in your truck, leave it in the carport and just walk everywhere you go. Now, I don't want to get my truck all tore up either, but I'm not going to walk a half a mile. See, we, we're so concerned and consumed about things that we can't live in any kind of joy and any kind of peace in our life. Number four, the thing that robs our joy is worry. I read this definition years ago. Worry is the triumph of fear over faith. Wow. Worry is the triumph of fear over faith in your life. (laughs) I love this. Guy walked up. There was a young girl on the street. She was sitting there crying. Young girl, what's the matter, honey? Oh my God, I'm so worried. I'm so worried. Babe, what's the matter? I might get married one day and we might have children. And I might go shopping with my daughter after dark one night and she might get hit by a car. I'm so worried. You know, worry is the misuse of God's creative imagination that we have. Because you can imagine and because you can see things you imagine things happening that's not even happening. You imagine outcomes that aren't even going to ever be an outcome. And you work yourself into a tizzy over things that aren't ever going to happen anyway. Worry is the triumph of fear over faith in your life. And worry is the misuse of God's creative imagination that we have. And with all of the horror movies and all of the junk on TV, we fill our minds full of such imaginations that when you're at home by yourself and you hear a little noise, you hear the chainsaw firing up. He's coming in to get me. I mean, you know, our our imagination just begins to run wild with us, and we create scenarios in our life that aren't even happening. It's ridiculous. It's the ridiculous. Worry comes from a word that means to strangle or to choke off. I found that interesting. As we dwell and worry about matters that are beyond our control, a choking off of life sets in. Psalms fifty-five, twenty-two say, cast your burdens on the Lord. God, that's yours. I, I don't have any control over that. And I can't worry myself about it. That's going to have to belong to you. I trust you with that. Here's what I can deal with. Here's what I can do with. And, and I just, I'm not going to think about, I'm not going to get jerked up about things that I have no control over in my life. I'm going to spend my life taking care of what I can do something about. And if I can't do something about it, that's going to have to belong to the Lord. That's just going to have to belong to the Lord. So don't get me all worked up into something I can't do anything about. Tell me about things that I can do something about and tell God about things that he's going to have to handle. Circumstances, people, things, and worry will rob your joy. Those four things will rob your joy. Circumstances in life, people, the stuff that you have, and worry. If Paul had wanted to worry, he had plenty of occasion to worry, they're going to behead him. Yet he writes us a letter about how to live in joy. How to live in joy in spite of Of your circumstances. I'm really looking forward to this study because we're going to see four attitudes that will maintain your joy in this study, in these four chapters. In Philippians chapter one, we're going to talk about the single mind. Bible said, when your eye is single, your whole body's full of light. When your eye is single, the single mind. Paul writes in Philippians 1, 21, we're going to learn about this. For me to live is Christ, but for me to die is gain. When somebody thinks like that, what can they worry about? So what is there to lose your joy over? For me to live is serve Christ. For me to die is better. I'm going to go to heaven. When you have that kind of singleness of mind, you can walk in joy. Paul lives his life to serve the Lord. He's a man with a purpose. You know, how do you, how do you get a guy jerked up that forgets the past and looks forward to what lies ahead? Every minute, that's the past, I'm looking forward to what lies ahead. That guy lives in joy. Will you forget the past and look forward to what lies ahead in your life? Will you forget what you've done, forget your mess-ups, forget your problems, let that be the past and look forward to what lies ahead in your life? When you do that, then you can walk in joy, whatever your circumstances are. Paul doesn't look at the circumstances himself. He looks at his life in relation to serving the Lord. We're going to look in chapter 1, verse 13. Paul does not say he's a prisoner of Rome. It's very interesting. He's a prisoner of the Lord Jesus. He's a prisoner of the Lord Jesus. And in verse 7, we're going to see Paul does not, is not facing a civil trial. He is set for the defense of the gospel. And so whether Paul is in jail or whether he's out of jail makes no difference to him. He's a minister of the gospel. And if I'm out of jail, I'm ministering the gospel. If I'm in the dungeon, I'm ministering the gospel. So I'm being fulfilled in the call that's on my life. And so circumstances don't control you. You've got to understand what you're here to do. You're here on divine assignment. When God has you here, when God has you there, if the business you're in folds up, dries up, and quits tonight, then God will provide another place for me to share and to love and to serve and to give of my talents and my abilities. He looks at his circumstances not independent of Christ, but through Christ. We've got people looking at Christ according to their circumstances. And we're going to have to look at our circumstances through Christ. Christ and the call that's on our life. Paul rejoiced in the midst of his difficult circumstances because they did not have control over him. He was controlled by the lordship of Jesus in his life. Chapter one, we're going to look at the single mind that Paul lived with. Chapter two, we're going to look at a submissive mind. The Bible teaches us to esteem others higher than ourselves. Verse 3 is going to tell us, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others more important than themselves. When you esteem other people more important than yourself, then they can't steal your joy. See, they can't steal your joy when you are submitted one to another. But whenever we are vying for supremacy, when we're vying for position, when we're vying for who's the boss and who's the head, then everybody steals your joy. But when you're here to serve other people, then they can't steal your joy. You know what they did to me? I don't care what they did to you. You're here to serve them. And when you see that, it changes everything about your life. Chapter 3, we're going to talk about the spiritual mind. Eleven times in chapter 3, Paul uses the word things. We're just too thing-oriented, and things are robbing our joy. We got too much stuff, and our stuff is robbing our joy. Paul talks about getting spiritually minded and not things. Catch that for me, I'm busy right now. We want to possess things, but things are possessing us, and we got to turn that around. God gave us things to bless our life. And the things that we have been given are in fact destroying our life. We've got to move past that. And then in chapter 4, <clears throat> we're going to spend some time talking about the secure mind. The problem with a lot of people not walking in joy is their insecurity. When you become secure in who you are in Christ, then things don't steal your joy. You know who you are in Christ. You know the call of God that's on your life. You know what you're here assigned to do. And you understand that, then things that happen to you don't steal your joy. Circumstances, people, situations. The reason we live without joy is because we've got a lot of insecurities about our own self-worth. Chapter 4, we're going to find out about some security that you can begin to base your life on and find God's peace in who you are in him. Now, I want to quickly recap to make sure you have this introduction down. There are four things that steal our joy. Circumstances, people, things, and worry. There are four attitudes that you can choose that will maintain your joy, and we're going to study these four as we study verse by verse the book of Philippians, having a single mind, having a submissive mind to one another, having a spiritual mind and not an earthly mind, and having a secure mind. I can't hardly wait for our verse-by-verse study in Philippians. Make plans on being here. Y'all stand. We hope that you have been blessed, encouraged, and motivated by today's message. If you are interested in more messages by the pastors at CM Church, please log on to our website at www.cmchurch.com and click on our podcast link. You can also purchase series and other messages at our online store.